Welcome to the Dead Author Society. Frank Herbert, February 11th, 1986. Rest in peace. Children of Dune Chapter 26 Is what key is with you. Your people found him alone in the desert and brought him to Shulok. What a rich discovery he was. Richer than a spice thing, what key is. He has lived with you. His water mingled with your tribe's water. He's part of your spirit river. Leto pressed the knife hard against Muriz's robe. Careful, Muriz. Leto lifted his left hand, released the Fremen's face flap, dropped it. Knowing what Leto clan, Muriz said, Where would you go if you killed us both? Back to Jakarutu. Leto pressed the fleshy part of his own thumb against Muriz's mouth. Bite and drink, Muriz. That or die. Muriz hesitated, then bit viciously into Leto's flesh. Leto watched the man's throat, saw the swallowing convulsion, withdrew the knife, and returned it. What kios? Leto said. I must defend the tribe before you can take my water. Muriz nodded. Your pistol is over there. Leto gestured with his chin. You trust me now? Muriz asked. How else can I live with the cast out? Again, Leto saw the sly look in Muriz's eyes. But this time, it was a measuring thing. A weighing of economics. The man turned away with an abruptness which told of secret decisions recovered his Maula pistol and returned to the wingstep. Come, he said. We tarried too long in a worm's lair. The future of Prescians can always be locked into the rules of the past. The threads of existence tangle according to many unknown laws. Prescient future insists on its own rules. It will not conform to the ordering of the Zensuni nor to the ordering of science. Prescience builds a relative integrity. It demands the work of this instant, always warning that you cannot weave every thread into the fabric of the past. Kalima, the words of Magdeep, the Shulok Commentary Muriz brought the ornthopter in over Shulok with a practiced ease. Leto, seated beside him, felt the armed presence of Behalath behind them. Everything went on trust now in the narrow thread of his vision to which he clung. If that failed, Allahu Akbar, 
Sometimes one had to submit to a greater order. The butte of Shulok was impressive in this desert. Its unmarked presence here spoke of many bribes and many deaths, of many friends in high places. Leto could see at Shulok's heart a cliff-walled pan with interfringing blind canyons leading down into it. A thick growth of shade scale and salt bushes lined the lower edges of these canyons with an inner ring of fan palms indicating the water riches of this place. Crude buildings of green bush and spice fiber had been built out from the fan palms. The buildings were green buttons scattered on the sand. There would live the cast out of the cast out. Those who could go no lower except into death. Yuri's landed in the pen near the base of one of the canyons. A single structure stood on the sand directly ahead of the thopter. A thatch of desert vines and behato leaves all lined with heat-fused spice fabric. It was the living replica of the first crude still tents, and it spoke of degradation for some who lived in Chulok. Leto knew the place would leak moisture and would be full of night biters from the nearby growth. So this was how his father lived. And poor Sabiha. Here would be her punishment. At Muriz's order, Leto let himself out of the thopter, jumped down to the sand, and strode toward the hut. He could see many people working farther toward the canyon among the palms. They looked tattered, poor, and the fact that they barely glanced at him or at the thopter said much of the oppression here. Leto could see the rock lip of the quanit beyond the workers. There was no mistaking the sense of moisture in this air. Open water. Passing the hut, Leto saw it was as crude as he'd expected. He pressed on to the quanit, peered down, and saw the swirl of predator fish in the dark flow. The workers, avoiding his eyes, went on with clearing sand away from the line of rock openings. Muriz came up behind Leto, said, You stand on the boundary between fish and worm. Each of these canyons has its worm. This quanet has been opened, and we will remove the fish presently to attract sand trout. Of course, Leto said, holding pins. You sell sand trout and worms off-planet. It was Maldib's suggestion. I know. But none of your worms or sand trout survived for long away from Dune. Not yet, Muriz said. But someday... in 10,000 years, Leto said, and he turned to watch the turmoil on Muriz's face. Questions flowed there like water in the quanet. Could 
the sun Maldives really read the future. Some still believed Maldives had done it, but how could a thing such as this be judged? Presently, Miri's turned away, led them back to the hut. He opened the crude door seal, motioned for Lido to enter. There was a spy soil lamp burning against the far wall, and a small figure squatted beneath it, back to the door. The burning oil gave off a heavy fragrance of cinnamon. They sent down a new captive to care for Maldives' siege, Yuri sneered. If she serves well, she may keep her water for a time. He confronted Leto. Some think it evil to take such water. Those lace-shirt fremen now make rubbish heaps in their new town's rubbish heaps. When has Dune ever before seen rubbish heaps? When we get such as this one. He gestured toward the figure by the lamp. They're usually half wild with fear, lost to their own kind and never accepted by true fremen. Do you understand me, Leto Bati? I understand you. The crouching figure had not moved. You speak of leading us, Miris said. Fremen are led by men who've been blooded. What could you lead us in? Kralizek, Leto said, keeping his attention on the crouched figure. Miris glared at him, brows contracted over his indigo eyes. Kralizek. That wasn't merely war or revolution. That was a typhoon struggle. It was a word from the furthermost Fremen legends. The battle at the end of the universe. Kralizek. The tall Fremen swallowed convulsively. The sprat was as unpredictable as a city dandy. Yuri's turned to the squatting figure. Woman, live on Wahid, he commanded. Bring us the spice drink. She hesitated. Do as he said, Sabiha. She jumped to her feet, whirling. She stared at him, unable to take her gaze from his face. You know this one? Yuri's asked. She is Namri's niece. She offended Jakarutu and they have sent her to you. Namri. What? Laban Wahid, Lido said. She rushed past them, tore herself through the door seal, and they heard the sound of her running feet. She will not go far, Yuri's said. He touched a finger to the side of his nose. A kin of Namriya. Interesting. What did she do to offend? She allowed me to escape. Leto turned then and followed Sabiha. He found her standing at the edge of the quanet. Leto moved up beside her 
and looked down at the water. There were birds in the nearby fan palms, and he heard their calls, their wings. The workers made scraping sounds as they moved sand. Still, he did as Sabiha did. Looking down, deep into the water and its reflections, the corners of his eyes saw blue parakeets in the palm fronds. One flew across the quanet, and he saw it reflected in a silver swirl of fish, all run together as though birds and predators swam in the same firmament. <clears throat> Sabiha cleared her throat. You hate me, Leto said. You shamed me. You shamed me before my people. They held an is not and sent me here to lose my water all because of you. <laughs> Yuri's laughed from close behind them. And now you see, Leto Bati, that our spirit river has many tributaries. But my water flows in your veins, Leto said, turning. That is no tributary. Sabiha is the fate of my vision, and I follow her. I fled across the desert to find my future here, in Shulak. You, and... He pointed at Sabiha. <laughs> threw his head back in laughter. It will not be as either of you might believe, Leto said. Remember this, Muries. I have found the footprints of my worm. He felt tears swimming in his eyes then. He gives water to the dead. Sabiha whispered. Even Muries stared at him in awe. Fremen never cried unless it was the most profound gift of the soul. Almost embarrassed, Muries closed his mouth seal pulled his Jabala hood low over his brows. Leto peered beyond the man, said, Here in Shulok, they still pray for dew at the desert's edge. Go, Muris, and pray for Kralisek. I promise you it will come. Fremen's speech implies great conclusion, a precise sense of expression. It is immersed in the illusion of absolutes. Its assumptions are a fertile ground for absolutist religions. Furthermore, Fremen are fond of moralizing. They confront the terrifying instability of all things with institutionalized statements. They say, we know there is no summa of all attainable knowledge. That is the preserve of God. But whatever men can learn, men can contain. Out of this knife-edged approach to the universe, they carve a fantastic belief in signs and omens and in their own destiny. 
This is an origin of their Kralizek legend, the war at the end of the universe. Bene Gesserit Private Reports, Folio 800-881. They have him securely in a safe place, Namri said, smiling across the square stone room at Gurney Halleck. You may report this to your friends. Where is this safe place? Halleck asked. He didn't like Namri's tone. Felt constrained by Jessica's orders. Damn the witch! Her explanations made no sense except the warning about what could happen if Leto failed to master his terrible memories. It's a safe place, Namri said. That's all I'm permitted to tell you. How do you know this? I've had a distrance. Zabiha is with him. Zabiha? She'll just let him. Not this time. Are you going to kill him? That's no longer up to me. Halleck grimaced. Distrance. What was the range of those damned cave bats? He'd often seen them flitting across the desert with hidden messages imprinted upon their squeaking calls. But how far would they go on this hellhole planet? I must see him for myself, Halleck said. That's not permitted. Halleck took a deep breath. quiet himself. He had spent two days and two nights waiting for search reports. Now it was another morning, and he felt his role dissolving around him, leaving him naked. He had never liked command anyway. Command always waited while others did the interesting and dangerous things. Why isn't it permitted? He asked. The smugglers who'd arranged this safe siege had left too many questions unanswered, and he wanted no more of the same from Namri. Some believe you saw too much when you saw this siege, Namri said. Halleck heard the menace, relaxed into the easy stance of the trained fighter, hand near, but not on his knife. He longed for a shield, but that had been ruled out by its effect on the worms. Its short life in the presence of storm-generated static charges. This secrecy is in part of our agreement, Halleck said. If I'd killed him, would that have been part of our agreement? Again, Halleck felt the jockeying of unseen forces about which the Lady Jessica hadn't warned him. This damned plan of hers. Maybe it was right not to trust the Bene Gesserit. Immediately he felt disloyal. She'd explained the problem and he'd come into her plan with the expectation that it, like all plans, would need adjustments later. This wasn't any Bene Gesserit. This was Jessica of the Atreides, 
who'd never been other than friend and supporter to him. Without her, he knew he'd have been adrift in a universe more dangerous than the one he now inhabited. You can't answer my question, Namri said. You would kill him only if he showed himself to be possessed, Halleck said. Abomination. Namri put his fist beside his right ear. Your lady knew we had tests for such. Wise of her to leave that judgment in my hands. Halleck compressed his lips in frustration. You've heard the Reverend Mother's words to me, Namri said. We Fremen understand such women, but you off-worlders never understand them. Fremen women often send their sons to death. Halleck spoke past still lips. Are you telling me you've killed him? He lives. He is in a safe place. He'll continue to receive the spice. But I'm to escort him back to his grandmother if he survives, Halleck said. Namri merely shrugged. Halleck understood that this was all the answer he'd get. Damn. He couldn't go back to Jessica with such unanswered questions. He shook his head. Why question what you cannot change? Namri asked. You're being well paid. Halleck scowled at the man. Fremen. They believed all foreigners were influenced primarily by money. But Namri was speaking more than Fremen prejudice. Other forces were at work here, and that was obvious to one who'd been trained in observation by Abina Jesserit. This whole thing had the smell of a faint within a faint within a faint. Thanks for listening to the Dead Authors Society. Be sure to follow for more content posted several days a week.